What's going on? This is Travis, and welcome to the podcast where we talk about caring for the fatherless, being a father, growing as a father, and God as a father. Uh, in today's episode, with this being my first podcast, I'll be introducing myself. So I'll share a little bit about who I am, uh, the ministry I work with, but mainly I'm going to be sharing my own personal testimony of how God changed my heart from having no desire to have children to desiring my children and even caring for children that aren't my own. I've been currently married for seven years. I have four children, and I have also been involved in ministry, caring for the fatherless in my area for the last three years. The ministry I've been working with for the last three years is Orphan Justice Center. Uh, there's three ways uh, that we primarily do our ministry, and it's through residential outreach, family outreach, and training. So residential outreach is going to local residential facilities where kids who are in the foster care system are staying at when um, they don't have a family. And so basically it's like an old school orphanage, but today we call them residential facilities. A lot of people don't even know that they are there. A lot of times they're off in the backwoods. But we go, we do Bible studies. Uh, we have a lot of different ways of ministering to them through mentoring. Uh, we do one-on-one -on -one Bible buddies. And then we also just play games. And so the primary focus is going there and uh, you know, being a friend to the fatherless. Family outreach is us wrapping around the families in our community that have adopted, are fostering, or are at risk. So basically what we do is we go and do simple things for them. Uh, a lot of times it can be just doing household chores so that they can have time to be parents to the kids that they've taken. It's really important for uh, families that have adopted to be able to do that that bonding with the children that they've brought in. And then we also, um, you know, we can, we can do simple things like providing needs that they may have, going and getting diapers, going and getting groceries. Even sometimes it's just being an ear for them to talk to, or sometimes they don't even need to say anything. It's just being there to pray for them and stand by them when they're going through a hard time. Because when you take in kids who have been uh, from hard backgrounds and they have trauma, uh, there's a lot of different scenarios that can take place, and it can be hard trying to reach that child's heart. And so we're there to support them. Training, our ministry offers various training to church groups that are interested in caring for the fatherless in the area, families that are interested in adopting or fostering or have adopted and are fostering. And we also offer training to individuals that are interested in mentoring and caring for the fatherless in the area. And getting training before uh, coming into this ministry is very important because you don't want to go with good intentions and add trauma to kids who have already been traumatized. So with that quick introduction to uh, just a little bit about me and the ministry that I'm involved in, let's go ahead and jump into my testimony. So I got saved about eight years ago, and when I got saved, uh, God gave me the, the desire to get married. But uh, I did not have a desire to have children. Uh, prior to being saved, I did not care to get married until maybe 35. And uh, I really had no desire to have kids in my future. And so after I got saved, I got married. And then uh, shortly after that, we had our, our first child. And we had our first child three years to the very day that my wife and I had first met. And so I already knew um, just with the day she was born, I was like, man, what is God doing with this child? What's the odds of her being born three years to the day that I, I met my wife? And so um, I had this child and I had no desire to have children. So um, there, there was something missing in my heart. I mean, I loved her, but 
it wasn't near what I knew it should be. And so I started going to God about it. I was like, God, you know, you want to be a father, but I, I, I don't want to be a dad. Uh, you know, why don't I have that in my heart? Why do you want children? I was going to God daily, weekly, monthly, just wanting to know why God wanted to be a father. And I had evangelized um, in the past for several years, and I, I talked to lots of people. And pretty often I found people did not want to hear about God. They didn't want to talk about God. And a lot of people just did not like God, and they'd get angry or upset sometimes just bringing him into a conversation. And uh, I was like, God, you know, why do you want children? It seems like so many of your kids hate you. And um, I sought God continually for about 15 months. So after about 15 months, I go to sleep and uh, I have this dream. And in this dream, I have this child in front of me. And he's about the same age as my daughter. He's about 15 months old. And his face is wrinkly like an old man. And he's wearing a suit. He's smoking a cigar. And his voice is raspy. His voice literally sounds like you'd imagine like an 80-year-old guy who's been smoking and drinking for the last 60 years. And so he's cussing, he's blaspheming the name of the Lord. And in the dream, I know how he was raised. I know everything about his upbringing, what he's been exposed to. Uh, I know that his parents approve of his behavior. They think it's cute. Everybody in their circle around them, their friends, family, everything, think that his behavior is cute. And they're thinking of ways to profit from the way that he acts. They want to put him in movies or commercials or some form of entertainment because he's a small baby, but he acts so grown up. And in the dream, I know that if he continues the way he's going, his life is going to end and he's going to go to hell. And uh, just I start to get angry inside. It's like the anger of the Lord, not at the baby, but at the fact that he doesn't know about God. And if he doesn't know about God, he's going to go to hell. And so I grab him by his shoulders and I turn him toward me and I say, don't you know that there's a God who's in heaven and he died for you so that you could live forever with him? And he had never heard a word about God before. And as soon as I said that, he looked at me and the old man broke off of his face. His face wasn't wrinkly and old anymore. He looked like a baby again. And he wanted to know who God was. So I pick him up in my arms and I look at him. I say, now you need to tell Jesus you're sorry and you need to repent. And so after that happened, I wake up. When I wake up from the dream, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And he says, even the youth of this generation are mature in sin because of the things they're exposed to in their homes. And so I have this just kind of setting on me, and uh, I had a plan that morning to go ahead and read my Bible and read chapter 1 through 10 in Matthew. That was my Bible study goal for the morning that I already had made. And so I'm sitting there with this kind of weighing on me, and I get to Matthew chapter 2, and that was as far as I was going to get that day in my Bible study. Uh, In Matthew chapter 2, it's when Herod sends the decree to kill the children. And when I read this, my mind went back to uh, the days of Moses when Moses was born and Pharaoh sent the exact same decree to kill all the children. And so my mind made this correlation. I was like, so whenever a deliverer is born, the enemy strikes to kill the children to stop that deliverer from raising up to deliver God's people. And as soon as I, I thought that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me again. He says, again, the devil is raging, trying to stop a generation from raising up that will hasten my return. And my mind immediately went to abortion. And so when this happened, the Holy Spirit fell on me, and I saw God's heart. I saw His Father's heart and how big and full of love it was for His children. And then I saw my little cold heart next to it. And when I saw my little cold heart next to it, uh, immediately moments uh, where I was cold or distant from my own daughter 
started coming into my mind and I started repenting of these moments. And as I was repenting of these moments, I could feel God breaking the hardness off of my heart. And as I was sitting there looking at his heart, I, I desperately wanted to have the heart that I was seeing, the heart that he carried. And I said to him, I said, God, give me this heart that you show me. And I said, if, if I can't have this heart that you're showing me, then you can keep your Christianity. And his presence lifted off of me, and I knew that I was supposed to read the next verse. And I was just a, a snotty, weepy mess. I was crying the, the entire time. I don't know how long uh, I was in his, his presence at that moment. But I looked down to read the next verse, and it says, A great noise is heard in Ramah, Rachel weeping and mourning, refusing to be comforted, for her children are no more. And as soon as I read that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me again. And he said, How long will she cry out alone? When will the fathers raise their voices? And when will the children cry out, Fathers, turn your heart to the children and children to the fathers? And his presence fell on me again. And I began weeping under his presence. And then after a, a, a period of time, it lifted off of me. And I knew that he had given me my calling. At that same time, when his presence lifted off of me, I got kind of nervous because I made a pretty serious statement to him. <laughs> and I was like, give me this heart or keep your Christianity. And so I, I was like, well, God, you could actually choose to not keep me. <laughs> so, uh, but um, I had a powerful encounter with God. I knew that he was transforming my heart. And so at that time, my wife had been trying to get pregnant. And we could not get pregnant prior to me having that encounter. It wasn't until after I had that encounter that my wife was able to get pregnant because we hadn't really talked about it much. But even though she was trying to get pregnant, I had no desire to have children. I did not want to get pregnant again. And so I had that encounter. We get pregnant. We have our second child. So we had Lauren. Then uh, two years later, we have Rachel. And that's actually why Rachel has her name is because of that encounter. And so um, at the time, I was going to school for ministry. And after Rachel's birth, I felt like God was calling me to go back to the the marketplace. And so I was, I was working a regular job again. And I was there for um, a few years. I was in line for a promotion. And while I was in line for a promotion, um, we were pregnant with my third child. While we were pregnant with him, I felt like the Lord had told me to name him Elijah. And so we actually wind up going into labor on Father's Day. And it was premature. Uh, my wife, she started bleeding, a slow trickle of blood. And it was actually kind of scary. So we had our midwife come over and she checked the baby's heart rate, checked Juanita, uh, made sure everything was okay before heading off to the hospital. So we get to the hospital. And while we're at the hospital, the, the doctors are telling us about um, a few different things that could be causing this, but mainly an abruption is what they're talking to us about. And, uh, you know, they let us know if it's an abruption, it could lead to a lot of bleeding, a lot of pain. And, um, and if he told me that if the abruption gets to about 30% or more, basically someone's going to die, either the child, the mom, or both. And so uh, they did, did some tests and, and got some pictures to see what's going on in there. Couldn't find any, any signs of an abruption. So we were there for about 10 hours with uh, just this slow trickle of blood coming out of her and not really knowing where it's coming from or why she's bleeding. And so after about 10 hours, um, she has a contraction, and uh, the baby's heart rate dropped really low, stayed there for an uh, abnormal amount of time, 
while I was actually talking with the doctor about, um, you know, possibly choosing a C-section. So as soon as that happened, we immediately chose the C-section route. And so we go in there, she gets the C-section, the doctor pulls the baby out, and uh, she has an abruption right next to the umbilical cord. It's shredded, and uh, I'd never seen, uh, I mean, it literally looked like someone had clawed at the stuff in there. And so the umbilical cord is completely white. He's receiving no blood from her. I have no idea how long that had been going on, but if the baby isn't receiving blood, he's not receiving what he needs to live. And so they take him out. He's actually alive. Um, the doctor looks at the abruption, says this is a 40% or more abruption. And uh, the nurses look at me like, we believe in a miracle today because your wife and your baby are both alive and they should be dead. And so uh, each one of my kids' births had been so uh, close-knit to what God was doing in me and what I know that he's uh, calling them to be as they grow up. And so I'm I'm going to God. I'm like, God, you know, what is what is going on? Why is his birth this way? Why is his birth so traumatic? Why is his birth like this? And God speaks to me uh, immediately after I ask him that question. He says, well, children are being ripped from the womb for death. He has been ripped from the womb for life and he will cry out for life. And it just it impacted me. And I knew that God was continuing to write the story with what he's calling me to and what he's 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 calling my children to. And so three months after he was born is when God actually called me to full-time ministry. So um, how we knew that we were being called to ministry was that uh, my favorite work had actually changed. My management had changed. All the things I'd done for the last two years, uh, two and a half years or so, didn't matter anymore is what my, my manager had told me. Like He wanted to see different things from me for him to feel like uh, I was someone that he would want to promote to a management position. And I felt like I was telling me that it's time to go to ministry. This whole whole time I knew uh, over the last six years that God um, was calling me to ministry. And I was just trying to figure out where I fit in. And so I spoke with my wife about it. She was in agreement with me. Uh, we went out to go grocery shopping. While we were grocery shopping, we actually had someone behind us just randomly pay for half of our groceries. And uh, we told the Lord, we're like, God, if you tell us where to go, uh, I will put in my two weeks and I will go do the ministry that you're calling me to do. And so I go to my normal my normal uh, evangelism meeting, ministry meeting. And uh, while I'm there at that meeting, uh, a woman named Amber is there and she's talking about the Orphan Justice Center. And as she's sharing the things that um, are on her heart and that the ministry is doing, um, I knew that it was the same things God was speaking in my own heart. And so me and my wife went, we approached her. Uh, we started talking about and sharing uh, what God had been speaking to us over the last several years. Immediately got connected with them, um, started doing outreach and and going and doing ministry with them. And um, the following uh, week, I put in my two weeks. And so it was a scary time, but we also knew that we had heard from the Lord. When I put in my two weeks and my job came to an end, um, it was the end of October, so coming into November, um, I didn't have a job uh, that was paying money anyway. And uh, I was uh, going and doing ministry with Orphan Justice Center. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you'll see a shift in your season. My provision will come in January. And so we own our home, but we're making payments on it regularly. And so uh, if you don't make your house payment for three months, 
you get that letter in the mail that says uh, your house will go into foreclosure. And so two months go by, I couldn't make my mortgage payment. And we're coming up on that third month, coming into January. I sit down January 1st, and I say to the Lord, I say, God, you called me to this ministry. Don't make me now a man who can't provide for his family. And don't show yourself to be a father that doesn't provide for his children. Give me a testimony of glory to your name, not one of shame. Three days after saying that to the Lord, I'm doing my regular ministry stuff. I'm gone all day. My wife's been home for about eight hours by herself with the kids. I get home, and I just know that the Lord is going to provide. Like I could just feel it. He had, he had told me, I'm going to give you what you need. And so I come through the door. I'm like, God is going to provide everything that we need by tomorrow. And my wife is like, that's great. I've been home with the kids all day. I'm tired. They're ready for a nap. I'm going to put them down for a nap. I'm going to go lay down and take a nap too. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> great. It's a really holy moment. And so um, I go to lay down on the couch. It's starting to snow outside. And as soon as I lay my head down to rest, my phone vibrates. I look at my phone. It's a friend of mine. He's like, hey, man, my car's in the shop. It's ready to be picked up. Um, do you think you'd be able to take me to get it sometime? I saw the message and I talked to God. I was like, man, I'm tired. I think I want to take a nap. Can I just ignore this and get back with him later? And the Lord speaks to me, says, no, you're available. Tell him you're available. So I text him back. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm available. Do you need me? Are you ready right now? And he's like, yeah, man, now would be great if you're available. So I tell him I'm on my way. I get up. I go grab my jacket to head back out. And as I grab my jacket, the Lord speaks to me, says, I'm going to provide everything you need. And I'm like, what does this mean? <laughs> What's about to happen? And so I go pick up my friend. I'm driving him to get him his car that's in the shop so he can pick it up. And as we're on our way there, he takes out an envelope and he hands it to me. He says, you know, I heard about the ministry that you're doing and I just want you to know it's a really big deal. And he hands me an envelope I hold on to it. He gets out of the car, I open it up, and I look at it, and it's a check for $2,000. It's like, oh my goodness, this is almost everything we need. And so I go home, I share it with my wife. The next day I go to another one of my regular ministry meetings, and there's this woman in front of me that I'd never seen before. And so she stands up after the meeting, turns, her, turns around, introduces herself to me, and says, I feel like the Lord wants me to give this to you, and hands me $300. And then... Um, Begin, I begin introducing myself, telling her who my wife is, my kids, share the ministry that we do. I find out that she's actually, uh, her and her husband also foster and adopt children in Canada. And so she invites us to lunch. She invites a few other people to lunch and she offers to pay for everybody. So we all go to lunch. At the end of lunch, another person who came uh, decided that they wanted to pay for the lunch. And so she gives us another $100 on top of what she had already given me. And so I tell everybody at the table um, how God had been blessing us the last two days. And this other person that was at the table uh, is really excited about the story I just shared. And she uh, hands me $5 and says she wanted to be a part of what God was doing. And she apologized that she handed me $5 because she said, I'm sorry, it's only $5. And I said, no, don't apologize. You know, God is giving the increase right now and you're blessing me. Like this is huge, you know, for me and my family. And so we go home, someone else had sent us a check for um, $150, and uh, by the end of all of it, uh, we had 15 cents extra <laughs> for exactly what we needed. So we had 15 cents more than what we needed to cover everything that we were behind on. And uh, I think back to that lady who gave the $5 and apologized. Had she not given that $5, we would have been $4 and 
85 cents short. And so uh, that was my my introduction to ministry. And uh, in that introduction, God gave me my calling to turn hearts of fathers to the children and children to the fathers and a vision to see the body of Christ awakened to James 1.27, that we would visit the orphan and the widow in their trouble. And for transformation uh, in my city, that the day when the Lord returns, whenever that may be, it could be our generation, it could be my children's, it could be my children's children, but that whenever that day is that He comes, that He would say, blessed is this city, the home for the orphan, the refuge for the widow, and the city that gives fathers to the fatherless. I had asked God a question, why does He desire children? And it was about six months after He encountered me that I felt like He actually gave me an answer for why he desires children. I was sitting there one day and he brought to my mind David. And he said, what was David's heart's desire? He said, David's heart's desire was to build the temple of God, to prepare a place for me to dwell. But David would not build the temple. It was actually his son Solomon who would build the temple. And so David, with all his strength and all his might, he went and he searched out the kingdom and he passed down a vision and all the riches of the kingdom to Solomon so that he could fulfill the greatest desire of his heart. And then he spoke to me and said, in the same way I sent my son, Jesus, with all the riches of the kingdom to prepare a place for me to dwell. And then he spoke to me, I desire my children because they fulfill the desires of my heart. And that just blew me away when he said that to me. I had never realized that there's a desire in God's heart for me to fulfill that walking in obedience to what He has for me is actually going to fulfill a great desire that He has in His heart. If you would like to know more about my ministry or if you'd like to support what we're doing, you can email me at travismiles at ihopkc.org. That's travismiles at ihopkc.org. If you'd like to learn more about what we're doing as well, you can visit orphanjusticecenter.com. And in the future, um, I will have a website up where you can uh, see uh, regular blog posts and things that are happening currently with our ministry. Also, if you've enjoyed the content today and you want to continue to follow our podcast, please make sure to subscribe. And on our next podcast, we will have a close friend of mine who's become more like a brother, uh, my friend Taiwan. And we'll be talking about what it was like for him growing up without a father, uh, how that impacted him. And then uh, what it's like now being a husband and a father and how his relationship with the Lord has helped him to grow as a father.